0: Okay, we are on the bottom of three A. Gimel, Amud Aleph. Um, we are at the third to last of the medium lines or wide lines before the one last, very wide line. So third to last. The the last three words on the line, the O Um so now we're going to now that we're on the topic of Rebbe Lazar Ben Azariah's teachings, we're going to continue with some of his teachings. Vaodarash, uh, Rebbe Lazar ben had another um, exposition. As Hashem emarta hayom, the verse tells us, the Lord that you have praised today, ha emircha hayom, and God has praised you today. Amar lahem So the Holy One blessed is He is saying to the Jewish people. You carved out for me a positive uniqueness in this world. And I am going to make for you, I'm going to carve out for you a positive carving out, a unique carving out in this world. You have made for me a positive uniqueness in this world. Yichsiv, as the verse says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Chativa achas ba'olam. and I will make for you a unique carving out in the world. Shinemar, as the verse says, this is God now speaking, U'mi ka'amcha Yisrael go'y echad ba'aretz. And who is like your nation Israel? Um, one um, one, or a unique nation on the earth. And we also know, Rabbi Lazar Nazaria also expounded the following verse. The verse says as follows, The words of the sages are like darvonos, which are um, these cattle prodders. Um, and like planted nails are the words of the baalei asufos those that sit in assembly in other words our sages and all of them were given from one shepherd why are the words of torah of the sages so these are the words of the sages why are they um, compared to a cattle prodder Lo to teach you, Just like this prodder, it um, directs the cow, to the furrows, to the grooves, in order to put the seeds in, in order to plant the seeds. To bring life to the world, right? The seeds produce fruits and vegetables and bring life to the world. So too the words of the sages, They... Direct those that learn them from the way of death to the way of life And now you may have thought that a cattle prod is Something that is can be moved around not something that's something temporary not something that is permanent could be moved around you may have thought that When we compare the words of the sages to the cattle prodder where we would also say after retirement So too can the words of the sages be removed Can they be, um, can we say that they're temporary and not permanent? That's why we add that the words of the sages are likened to these nails. But then you may say, what about when you think of nails going into a wall, whatever area the nail is taking up, that's less area that now is the wall. The wall is diminished because of it. So you may have thought just like a nail leaves the thing that it's put into diminished. And so too you may have thought that the Torah, the words of the Torah, specifically the words of the sages, diminish a person instead of increasing them, instead of making them richer. nituim. That's why we use this very odd language when we're describing these planted nails. We say planted. That's not how you refer to nails. You say to nail, you refer to nails as being um, nailed in. Why planted? So it's to teach you that, that they're nails, but they're also plants. But, and plants, they grow. They, they grow more and more and more. They don't diminish. Just as the plant is fruitful and multiplies, so too do the words of the sages cause one to be fruitful and multiply and become richer to enrich our lives. Okay? Um, now we're going to... Uh, Rav Lozman continues to talk about, about, this, um, about this verse. And now focuses in on two of the words. Baalei Asufos, we refer to the sages as the Baalei Asufos, those the masters of assemblies. Elu Talmidei Chachamim, these are the Torah scholars. Sheyoshven Asufos, Asufos that sit in assemblies and learn of the Torah, meaning they sit together, it's a communal thing, it's something that they do together. And some will say that this is impure and some will say that this is pure. And some will say that this is prohibited and some will say this is permitted. Halalu Poslin Some will say, they will say, or those will say that this is unfit. And some will say, no, this is kosher. Shema Yomar Adam. Now, a person may say, Hey Achani With all of this argument, with all of this disagreement, how could you tell me how I ever be able to learn the Torah? Therefore, the verse goes on to say, Kulam nitnu me roa that the words of all of the sages are all coming from one shepherd, meaning they're all they're all basing themselves off of the words of the Torah, the word of God. Um, one God gave those words, and one leader proclaimed those words from the very lips, from the very mouth of God. As the verse says, and God spoke, all of these words referring to the entire Torah. Afata, so um, so uh, so therefore, um, although you may be hearing two different opinions, it all has one source. So afata, ase say as afar chases. make for your ear, make your ears or make your ears like a like a grain shredder, but something that can you know really bring in a lot. And acquire for yourself an understanding heart. And to, to hear, not just to hear, to understand the words of those that pure say this is impure, and the words of those that say that it is pure. The words of those that say it's prohibited, and the words of those that say that it's permitted. as the, the words of those that say that it is unfit, and the words that of those that say that it is fit, that it is kosher and as you process all of this um in an intelligent and understanding manner you will be able to get to the bottom of it you'll be able to get to the to um to the to the truth okay so now we're going to go back to the story that we were in the middle of the story that we were in the middle of where these two rabbis that came to their rebbe and their rebbe their rabbi said uh tell us tell me what you learned today and first they said we didn't come to teach you we came to hear from you so now we're going to talk about that. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about that in a second. One more thing. Um, so we're in the middle of this story. And now at this point, the rabbis have shared everything that they heard in the study hall that day. So Rabbi Yeshua, their rabbi, said to these two rabbis in the following language Ain Doria Som, there's no, a generation is not orphaned. Shereb Eloz Benazari Shari Besilchom. If you have someone like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah that inhabits it, meaning they had been teaching, they had been teaching their rabbi all of the words of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, who was the teacher that week at the study hall. And after hearing everything, he said, "Wow, we are so fortunate. There's no, we're not a, we're not an orphan generation if we have Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah." Now, going back to what I said, behedya." Now, why didn't they teach these novel ideas of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah immediately upon being asked? Why did they answer first? We came to listen to, except from your waters. Why did they do that? Why didn't they just answer immediately? So we say as follows Mishum Maise Shahaya, because of something that had happened. Tanya, because we learned in a Brisa, This is a very interesting and odd story. Maise ba Rabbi Yossi bin There was a story that happened with Rabbi Yossi bin Belod. He went to visit Rabbi Eliezer in the city of Lod his rabbi, Amar um, Lo, Rabbi Eliezer, the rabbi, his rabbi said to him, said to Rabbi Yossi, What was the novel ruling in the study hall today? Amar um, Lo, Rabbi Yossi told him, Nimnu v'gamru. They voted, and they decided, Amon u-moav ani The areas of the lands of Amon and Moab, they have to tithe, the tithe that goes to the poor, even in the seventh year, even in the Shemitah year, the year that Israel remains fallow, where you're not allowed to plant. And we'll talk more about this soon. Amarlo, Rabbi Eleazar said to him, Yosei, my student Yosei, pshot yadecha, stretch out your hands, the and darken your eyes. So what he was telling him is, is as follows. Uh, the way many understand this, is that you are saying that this is what you heard today, that you heard this ruling today, that lands that were inhabited, the lands of Ammon and Moab that are now inhabited by Jews, they you still give the the tithe even during the seventh year. Um, Rabbi Eleazar was telling him, you are going to go blind because this is really not a ruling from today, from the study hall today. It's an ancient ruling, a ruling that goes back a long time ago you said it as if it's a ruling of today and um, and that is you did not attribute it to the right people and that is a problem and so terrible is what your your sin is that you'll now have to go blind Pashat yada the keeper of stretched out his hands and his eyes became dark he became blind now we're going to see this is very short lived but still it's a very interesting very odd story Bahurabi Rabbi um, wept and then he said Sod Hashem lirayav The secret of God is for those that fear God And God's covenant is to those that inform them or His covenant God's covenant is to inform them in other words what he was saying here is, Although he was upset with Rabbi that Rabbi seemed to attribute this ruling in the name of this generation, he also said, wow, wonderful of this generation to have thought of a ruling from so long ago, um, thinking that it's novel. This is a proof that the secret of God is to those who fear him, for those who fear God. These are people that fear God, so they are able to um, decide a halacha, decide the law, in accordance with the way it had been decided many years ago. Amar lo and Rabbi Lazar said to Rabbi Yossi, emor lahem, go back and tell your study hall, Al tachos shulim inyanchem, that don't worry about your voting. Meaning you're, the vote that you did today was very good. Kach mekublani Rabbi Yochanan Ben because this is what I learned from Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakeh. Sheshamemirabo, and he heard this from his rabbi. Furabo mirabo, and he heard this from this rabbi. Hilchosolamoshemisina, almost like a tradition from Moses at Sinai. This law, that Amon and Moab ma'asrim ani b'shvi'as, that the inhabitants of the land that was Amon and Moab's, two different nations, you give the tithe to the poor during the seventh year, during the Shemitah year. And now we're going to talk about what this means. Okay. Matam. Now, what's the reason that when it comes to the lands of Amon and Moab, um, they give the tithes, But even before that, in order to give the tithes, that means they are not following the Shemitah year. Because if they were following the Shemitah year, every seventh year in Israel, the land goes fallow. So there's no tithes, obviously, because there's nothing being produced. So when we say that there are tithes, it must mean that they are not having to follow the Shemitah year. They don't have to follow the laws of the Shemitah year in the lands of Ammon and Moab, because they were outside of the land of Israel. Um, and the question is, is why don't they have to follow the laws of the Shemitah? So we answer as follows. kavshu There are many cities that those that came up from Egypt, meaning the first time the Jewish people went into the land of Israel. There are many cities that were conquered by those people. Um, and then not just conquered, but consecrated. And when they consecrated these lands, even if they weren't right out, right inside of Israel, but rather neighboring to Israel, they took on the laws of sanctity of Israel to a certain extent. And one of those laws would be that you had to keep the laws of Shemitah in those, in those lands as well, in those areas as well. However, after the Jewish people were exiled for the first time to Babylonia slash Persia, and then they came back, many of these lands that were conquered that first time were not reconquered and we say uh, and therefore they were not sanctified because we say that the sanctification the first sanctification was just a was just a sanctification for this moment in time but once the Jewish people would be exiled, they'd have to re-sanctify any land that was to attain the sanctity of the land of Israel. The Asid Lavo, wasn't sanctified the first time forever. So therefore what you had was these lands were Amon, of Ammon and Moab. The Jewish people conquered it the first time they came into the land of Israel. They're not actually in Israel, but they attained the sanctity of Israel as far as Shemitah, the seventh year goes. Then the Jewish people were exiled. Now they came back. And they would have had to have re-sanctified the lands of Ammon and Moab in order for them to attain the sanctity of the land of Israel. And for a very specific reason, they did not do so. For a very specific reason, they did not sanctify the lands of Ammon and Moab the second time. Why? They let them be. They did not sanctify them. Kideshi let them in order so that the poor people would be able to rely on these lands during the Shemitah year. Because the problem is, is during the Shemitah year, as I said earlier, during the seventh year, there's no produce. And if there's no produce, there's no tithes. And that means the poor are not getting their tithe. Their tithe that goes to the poor. So what they did is, is they made that you'd have these areas that were inhabited by Jews that were outside of the land of Israel. They were not re-sanctified and therefore they did not attain the sanctity of the land of israel and therefore shemitah did not apply and therefore they could plant and produce and therefore they would be able to then do the ani, give the tithes to the poor so that's the idea here okay and then now as i said as we had said um rebbe eliezer had basically cursed rebiosi with blindness so now we're going to finish off that story tana we learned after belazar calmed down omar he said may it be god's will that the eyes of yosi returned to their place and they returned and he was able to see again and that's the end of that story okay now we're going to go back to the mishnah in the mishnah we had said that some of there is a shota somebody that is missed is is limited mental faculties that somebody with those limited mental faculties they're called a shota and they are um exempt from the obligation to appear in the temple during the festival so now we're going to talk about what qualifies as somebody uh what what, what is uh what is a shota what does it mean that somebody's missing the mental faculties limited mental faculties ton rabban and the rabbis taught Isehu shota, who how do we know if somebody is considered a shota? So we have three criteria. Hayotze balaila, someone who goes out alone at night. The halan hakavaros, and somebody that sleeps in the cemetery. The hamakarexsu and somebody that rips their clothes seemingly for no apparent reason. It's Now we have a we have an interesting dispute about these criteria. Rav Huna Rav Huna said, In order to be considered a Shota, you need to do all three of these actions. You need to go alone, out alone at night, be someone that sleeps in a cemetery, and rip your clothes for no reason. Rabbi Yochanan says, No, even if you just do one of them, you're going to be considered a Shota. Now, Hechidami, what exactly is Hechidami means what is the case? But, um, what is the case that they are talking about? Where's the argument? If, if this person is doing any one of these three things in an insane type of manner, then even if you're only doing one of these things, you should be considered a shota. And if you're not doing it in a way that is, seems insane, then, then even if you're doing all of them, you should not be considered a shota. So he answers as follows, No, you're doing it in a way that um, is in, in an insane manner, these three things. Just, the halam just one that sleeps in the cemetery, emor kadesha tishra alav ruach Tumahu de Kaavid. It could be explained away as not so insane and perhaps this person wants these this uh, impure spirit to rest upon him and you can get that impure spirit uh, spirit obviously you're talking about things we don't really understand but I guess you know back then this was something that you that that could you thought you could have received an impure spirit would have been able to come to you in a cemetery and that's not considered insane that's considered sane. you just are doing something kind of you're just doing something almost evil so too, going out at night. It seems your person is doing it in an insane manner. However, for achade. However, you could explain it away that perhaps this person needed fresh air because He was seized by this by this type of fever where he just needs fresh air. So-and-so too, when it comes to ripping your garments. It seems that the person is doing it as as form of insanity. But amor so we could just say, though, there, you could explain it away as him just being a very uh, person that uh, is very meditative and he gets lost in thought and he ends up doing crazy things as he's, even though he, uh, while he's lost in thought. So the argument is, is as follows. However, once he performs all three of these things, we no longer explain away each one separately. Rather, we consider it at that point, we basically say that at that point, it's as if, so if you have a donkey, if you have a, uh, an ox, I'm sorry, and that ox gores an animal, you have to only pay the first half damage. And that's true until he gores the animal three times, then you have to pay full damages. And we say that if an ox gores a one time a donkey, one time, a, a, um, one time another ox, and one time a camel, at that point, he becomes a muad, he becomes somebody... That we could, you know, no matter what type of animal he gores next, he now is a, he's now considered a muad, a habitual gore for all of them. So we're going to say something very similar here as well. What Rav Huna was telling us, what Rav Huna is telling us is that this person, even though each one thing on its own could be explained away, once we see him doing all three of these things, we considered him a shota. We considered him a deranged person. Um, so that was the case. So that's what Rav Huna says, and Rabbi Yochanan would argue that Rabbi Yochanan says that no, even once you do one of those things in an insane manner, you're going to be in a, you're going to be considered a shote. Um, Rav Papa. So Rav Papa says, if Rav Huna had if Ravhuna had heard um, what was learned taught in a which was, shote, who is considered a shote it's somebody who basically destroys anything that's given to him, he would certainly have gone back on his opinion. Because what we see there is that once you do one deranged thing, once you do one insane thing, um, you don't have to do three insane things. Once you do one thing, um, you are considered a Shota. So they asked, when you're saying that Rav Huna would have, reversed his opinion after learning that price about someone who destroys everything given to him so the question is is what he had reversed his opinion only regarding the case of somebody who rips his clothing in an insane way and at that point rafuna would have said if you rip your clothing then you are going to be considered a shota even if there's a way to explain it away but in the other two cases until he does both of those things, we're not going to be considered him a Shota. Or do we say that all of those cases are similar to a case where someone destroys everything? And just like we would say by someone destroying everything, immediately he becomes a Shota, he's considered a Shota. And so too, when it comes to these three things, that the moment he does either one of them, any one of these three, he's considered a Shota. So teku, the Gemara, says that we're not sure. We're not sure what Refuna really would have held in the end after having learned that Bryce about someone that destroys everything that was given to him so that's the end for today we did 3b we did some interesting exposition so different verses um, talking about the words of the sages um, learning the torah Um, and then we talked about this very interesting story of somebody that um, blinded his student and then healed him but the, the, the 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 rulings there were very interesting all about the sanctity of israel and the surrounding lands we learned about shmita, which is this idea that the during the seventh year the lands have to remain fallow we cannot plant them we cannot produce then we talked about the definition of a shota somebody that is with limited mental faculties to the extent that he is not obligated he's exempt from the obligation to appear in the temple at the temple during the three festivals